Okay, so I am here with Samuel R. Delaney, who is most recently the author of Through the Valley of the Nest of Spiders. Chip, I'm very honored to talk with you. How are you doing, sir? I'm fine, Ed, and it's great to meet you and great to get a chance to talk with you. Absolutely. And, and your beard, as everyone knows, one of the most magnificent beards in literary in, in literature right now, I would say. Uh, actually, I wanted to ask you, because you're on record as saying that you spend the same amount of money on books that you spend on food. Well, there have been times when I've spent the same amount of money on books than I spent on food. I think uh, more recently I spend a little more on food than I do uh, on books. Uh, that's because I've got m- many of the books that I want to read I already have at, yeah. this, at this point. Well, but how I, much do you read? I'm, I'm just out of curiosity. I mean, you, in about writing, command the reader to read everything, every yeah. conceivable author. I, I'm just wondering how many how many books do you think you've, you've, you've put away? How many do you continue to read these days? Well, um, one of the things that's, that's actually slowed me down, uh, I have, um, I'm developing a fairly severe cataract in, in one eye, and I had an operation on the other eye yeah. a couple of years ago, and that, um, that just makes reading a, it's a little slower, so it's gone down, you know, it's gone down a little bit. And uh, also, I shouldn't be doing all that reading. I should be doing some writing. Um, and um, although I like the reading, of course, and the reading is, um, I, the reading replenishes me. It nourishes me. It, uh, it keeps me uh, in. It gives me a feeling of being in touch with the world. Yeah. And so I, I you know, I, I, I try to do a fair amount of it. Sure. Well, let's get to the book here. Um, sure. I'm wanting. I'm wondering if you heard of this. Uh, there's this video game art project called Passage by Jason Roher. Have you heard of this? No. Okay, because your book reminded me very much of this, and I'll I'll have to forge you the link. Basically, it's this side-scroller. It's like in a 100-pixel by, I think, 13-pixel window. And you control this person who goes from left to right from beginning to end of life. And you pick up a partner, and you eventually, you know, you, in fact, you grow a beard, and then eventually <laughs> you die at the end. And you, and, and it, beca- it takes the sort of 8-bit side-scroller, and it, and it turns it into this unexpectedly poignant moment. But if you play it enough times, you could actually uh, move the cursor down and actually have the figure go into this mire and collect stars, but maybe not have a partner, or maybe meet an early demise there. And it absolutely reflects what life is. And, 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 I, and I read your book, and I was extremely um, aware of the physicality, not just because it was an 800-page book, but because the first 400 pages is basically this, uh, these escapades of lots of sex, youthful brio, and so forth. And then, suddenly, decades flash often when we read this. And, I, and I, I'm curious, just to start off here, where do, did the design of this structure come from? And I know you're very keen on structures. You've written about this many times. But how, how did this come about, Spiders? Well, um, it's... It came from being a person who's gotten older over yeah. the last, you know. I'm now, uh, I, I just had my 70th birthday. Yes. Uh, and Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Um, and one of the things that does happen, and it's a really interesting phenomena, is that time seems to go a lot faster as you get older. Um, when you were young, um, time takes forever, you know. You go to the doctor, you wait around for two hours in the doctor's office, it seems like three months, you know. Uh, whereas you, uh, um, I went to the doctor's office this morning. Um, uh, I went in, and the next thing I knew, I was 
on my way here. Yeah. And uh, I'd been there about two and a half hours, you know, and, uh, and it didn't seem like uh, any time and any time had passed at all. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this, and, and um, I, I, um, um, I was at the University of Massachusetts Massachusetts between 1988 and 1998, um, uh, 1999, uh, 1999, so for 11 years. Yeah. Um, and um, that seemed um, um, much longer than the, the last decade, last 12 years, 13 years, that I've been at Temple University, where I've been there uh, for, you know, from 19... Uh, 99 yeah. to this year, this, yeah. this, you know, 2012, uh, and that seems much shorter than the 10 than the than the 11 years that I was at UMass, and this just there's no way to avoid this. Yeah. Uh, you know, at time seems as you get older and older, time just rushes, begins to rush by, and I wanted to get this. So actually, the time. Um, the time gets the, the time goes faster and faster through the book, but at a certain point you realize, oh wait a minute, it's rushing along. And yeah. uh, as as one of the reviewers said, you know, decades drop out between paragraphs. Yes. yes. Uh, well, that's what happens. You know, that's that's how your life kind of goes. So the, the so the, the, in that sense, the structure of the book is based on the structure of of the, the structure of my own experience. What's very strange, though, I read the book, and actually, I started missing the sex after that 400-page <laughs> mark. I mean, all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, they're not having so much sex anymore. There's, there isn't all the, the, the snot stuff and the, and the pissing and the, uh, mm-hmm. and, and the coprophilia and, of course, the you know, father-son stuff. All of a sudden, we don't have a lot of that at all. And then you drop some, quite literally, serious bombs mm-hmm. later on in the book. And, yeah. and, I, and this leads me to ask, I mean, well, for... Well, the sex doesn't vanish. The huh. sex doesn't vanish. They still have... Well, of course, no, yeah, it's there. It the, 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 keeps coming up. Yeah, it does. I mean, yeah. the sex is there. Oh, yeah. But it's the sex, the, the sex that someone older you yes. know, has. And, uh, and, um, and one of the things that they have to deal with is the fact that they, you know, um, your body changes as you get older. And somewhere between, you know, 50 and 60, you go through the, the equivalent of, you know, you get the, the, the male climacteric, uh, which is a very strange thing to go to. Quite oh, as, God. Quite, <laughs> as, quite, as, quite as odd. Thanks as, for warning me. Yeah, quite as quite Quite as odd as the um, what are they? What is the the, the, the term for for women? Yeah, menopause. Uh, the menopause. Yeah. Yes, it's very much like the menopause, uh, and it's an you know and uh, um, and somehow you're not warned. You know, you, you aren't warned how how it's going to change. Somehow everybody knows there's the body changing from ten to twenty. There are going to be a lot of changes. Yeah. You know, uh, but there are going to be just as many changes from twenty to thirty, from thirty to forty, forty to fifty, fifty to sixty. Uh, <clears throat> I've been. You know, I've been with my partner now, uh, Dennis, for um, for almost 24 20, years, yeah, yeah. and um, and we still have a sex life, you know, and uh, and we're very fond of one another and very close, uh, but uh, you know, but but it's different. Yeah. Things things do change, and things, um, and that's you know that's one of the things that it's about. I wanted to, to explore what the what the relationship of two two men who were notably older. Yeah, was yeah, and so I tried to do that. You have said also about writing, which I'm probably going to be cribbing a lot from for this <laughs> this yeah. conversation, that a short story is not exactly the the best thing to include in the novel, and yet this book arose out of a short story that was published in Black Clock, which leads me back to the initial query, which is, well, how did this thing 
become structured? How how did this thing take on a life? Well, I had to I had to throw away the whole second half of the original short story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And rewrite something that that flowed into the flowed into the novel. Uh, If you actually compared it, um, the opening couple of scenes are are very similar, although not identical by any means. There are lots of changes all through it from the very first paragraph. But I just wanted to to use that as a a kind of jumping off point. Yeah. Well, that's one hell of a jumping off point to 800 pages. (laughs) I mean, why why do you think that you were interested in exploring such an expansive format for this? I mean, why did Eric and Shit just demand this kind of attention? Well, because I wanted to to, um, talk about a lasting relationship between two men uh, and a very committed relation. They're very close to each other. They're very, you know, they're very much, um, they're really, they're, 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 they're absolutely fixated on one another. I mean, neither one of them could really make it without the other, which is sort of the tragedy of the finally, you know, that finally their fate, their, the, you know, Eric is faced with at the yeah. end. Uh, and, uh, so uh, I just wanted to explore that and see what happened, you know, and, and to deal with all of these, all all of these things. The time, ac- the time actually um, goes. The, the time speeds up in the first half of the book too. I mean, it, uh, it, it's um, uh, by the you know the the, um, the first four hundred pages basically take what about seven years. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's just, you know that's seven years. That's that's. You know that's a good Dickens novel. Yes, <laughs> but True. it's this. This is a book that goes on for basically sixty or seventy years. Yeah, you know. Um, I wanted to also talk about the location. I'm going to bring up since my name is Ed. I have to bring up another Ed, E.M. Forster. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. You have uh, often quoted the advice given in aspects of the novel. You know, write what ri- you know. Yes, yeah. write what you know. But your idea here is is to go upon that and say, well, in addition to writing what you know. It's very good to keep the writing alive and energetic if you write about something that you've only experienced a few times. Right, exactly. Yeah, and, and in this, it's interesting because, um, you know, it should be evident by your Lear-like use, another Ed, <laughs> of Runcible, that um, it's this Georgia is a fantasy of sorts, and yet... Right, this is Georgia, yes, this is a complete... This is, it's a fairy tale. The, yes. whole, the whole book is, a, is, a, is an 800-page fairy tale. Exactly. Uh, but which, Mike, by, which, by which it's very similar to things like Don Quixote. And yes, <laughs> of course. Yeah. I, um, but my question is, is you're almost writing what you know, and you're also writing what you don't know, or Absolutely. only know, know a little bit of, right. because, I mean, you know, we have to go to Times Square Red, Times Square Blue, which I also read. You write about a man in that named Tommy. He wears a sleeveless denim jacket. Well, there's a guy with a sleeveless right. shirt here. Um, yes. And, um, you know, he collected scrap metal. Not unlike this. You look at the dump. It could also be the Dukes. Right, yes. Um, you know, the Opera House could be the Metropolitan Opera House. Easily. Well, it wouldn't be the Metropolitan, but it could right, be yeah. one of the it could be one of the old porn theaters. Exactly. Before the, you know, before 95. Yes. Before the, the, before New York uh, closed them down. Yes. Sure, sure. Yeah. I guess my question, though, is is by putting much of these you know these viewpoints that you have raised, both in your fiction and your nonfiction, to Georgia, to the edge of the earth, quite right. literally. Yeah. I mean, what does this allow you to do as a fiction writer? How does this allow you to explore a subculture that, say, keeping everything um, everything in New York would not? Well, one of the things that I wanted to deal to show is that this the kind of life that. Um, um, 
uh, Eric and Morgan, or his nickname is shit. As yeah, you can say shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah <laughs> and Eric and shit leave, lead um, is, um, as I said, besides being a fairy tale, uh, is also... Well, how how do I how do I put, I'm trying to figure out what a good way to get a good way to put this. Um, uh, it's in some ways it's it's in some ways it's um, um, it's kind of didactic. It's almost like yeah. you know, it's like like a Bildungsroman. You know, uh, they have to learn how to live their lives, and it can't be done. And this is I really feel, um, and this is something that I that, that one of the reasons why it had to be a fairy tale. It needs institutional support. Yeah, which is why there has to be the Kyle Foundation, yes. and while there why why there has to be um, um, uh, a um, a certain support, a certain community support for what they're for what they're doing, and at the same time, they're very much on the margin of yeah. this of this community. They're not they're not in the center of this community, so that people like um, um, Mr. Potts, for instance, you know, a very conservative gay man who yeah. you know who just doesn't want his doesn't want his nephew who has come down to spend the winter with him associating with these these riffraff, you know, uh, who use the uh, gay friendly restroom yeah. <laughs> uh, because he doesn't like the idea of gay men using restrooms at all. No. Where did the Kyle Foundation come from? I mean, there's purely, something... it was purely in my purely out of my head. Really, really. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, there's a there's a specific phrasing in their in their mantra: an institution dedicated to the betterment of the lives of black gay men yeah. and of those of all races and creeds connected to them by elective and non-elective affinities. And that phrasing recalls any number of like Islamic foundations and the like, and and, and also the Goethe novel, yes. elective elective affinities. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so I, so that was really more where it came from. The the it came more from Goethe than it yeah, did from yeah. Islam. Sure, yeah. sure, mm-hmm. sure. Um, well. Stephen Shaviro, he has pointed out that the intensities of your pornography are never presented as transgressive. Now, in a disclaimer... Although, this yeah. is pretty transgressive. Well, of course, of course. Yeah. Well, I want to talk about this, because in a disclaimer to the madman, of which we see statues of, of something from there yeah. uh, appear in this, you know, you called the madman a porn-utopic fantasy of set mm-hmm. of people, incidents, places, and relations among them that never happened and could not happen for any number of surely self-evident reasons. Well... Yeah. There is no such disclaimer for spiders, and we see much of the same stuff, as right. I said, you know, mm-hmm. piss drinking, shit eating, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, how does a pornotopic, uh, porn you, yeah, pornotopic porn- fantasy. Pornotopic. Pornotopic. Okay. Pornotopic. Well, pornotopic fantasy, how does one of these, whether it be the Mad Men or spiders or even the infamous hog, I mean, how does this help us to understand or come to the terms with the realities of sex and what the present limits are of what some people might call deviancy today or perhaps yesterday? Well, literature, I think, is divided into genres like that. Not, I mean, um, you have the la- you know, the world of comedy, you yeah. know, the, la- the world of tragedy, and you have the world of you know, pornography. Uh, and you have, uh, and that's you know, uh, and that is each each of them is a kind of um, subgenre, a, a, a subgenre, and sometimes they can be mixed. You can you know you can go from one to the other, uh, and I think pornotopia is just a is is the place, uh, as I've written about it before, that it's the place where um, the major quality of the the major 
aspect of pornotopia. It's a place where any relation, if you put enough pressure on it, can suddenly become sexual. Mm-hmm. You know, you walk in. You know, you walk into the business. You know, the business. You walk into the um, the reception area of the office, and you look at the secretary, and the secretary looks at you. And the next minute, you're screwing on the desk. Yes. that's pornotopia. You know that that uh, which is a, you know, which. Every once in a while, actually happens. Yeah. Not, but it doesn't happen at the at the density and that the um, frequency at, at the frequency that yeah. it happens in pornotopia. In pornotopia, it happens nonstop. Yeah. You know, and yet some people are able to write about that sort of thing real, relatively realistically, and some people aren't. Yes. Um, something like uh, um, Fifty Shades of Grey is not a very realistic. Yeah. Uh, account. Uh, I'm sure you've read that by now. Um, I've read about five pages. And it was enough for you to throw against the wall. No, I didn't throw it. I just thought it. I thought it. I thought it was hysterically funny. Yeah. And I think, you know, and and, uh, but it doesn't. It doesn't because because the the writer the writer doesn't use it to make any real observations on the world that is the case. Yeah. Um, It's not. You know. it, It. It. you know, it's ho hum. You know, <laughs> how do we hook those moms who were so driven to Fifty Shades of Grey on, say, something like this? Is there any? Way I to don't do think that you're going to. I think. Yeah. I think. I think the, re- the the realistic part, and there, and you know, and there's a lot that's relatively realistic about you know about, uh, and then there's a lot that isn't. Yeah. And then there's also a lot that isn't. Um, uh, uh, probably less so in this than in, let's say, The Madman, which yes. probably has a higher um, proportion of realism to. Um, lack of you know to 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 fantasy. Sure, sure. I also I also wanted to ask you. Um, what's interesting is that there is almost a limit mm-hmm. to the level of pornography in this. There is yeah. one funeral scene where something is going to happen, and they say, "Nah, you, you're not you're not you're not allowed to do that. Show some respect." Yeah. And roughly around I suppose the 300 page mark. Uh, I, I was very conscious of the fact that you didn't actually use the word ass, and you, you were always using well, butt. <laughs> I, I didn't even notice. <laughs> I mean, and, and, and so when ass showed up, I was so, I was actually shocked by that. <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm wondering, you know, does any exploration of sexual behavior, yeah. outlandish sexual behavior, sexual behavior that's outside the norms of what could possibly happen, whether it be frequency or density or whatnot, you know, does it require limits with which to to look at it, with which to see it from a, from a, in, a in purely fantastical terms? Well, I think what you one of the things that you need for to write a book, especially a book this long, is you need a certain amount of variety. Yeah. Uh, and I think perhaps if this is a failing, there are only so many things that you can do. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and and while you know, and I I think I give a good you know sampling of them, but every once in a while, I'm sure it probably gets. Um, it gets somewhat repetitious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's a good variety pack, but it's right. also a great sort of okay, reader. You have to get beyond these first 350 pages, and then, you know, by then you actually are in totally unanticipated territory, and I've already locked you in. I mean, you know, how did you work that out? Right. Well, again, you just you just one of the things is you try to keep telling interesting things about the sex. I mean, things that can be observed. You know about again about the world that is the case. I mean, I tried to, to, to you know, to talk about the sex in terms of, um, you know, um, I I don't think most people know how a dog has an orgasm. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, How do we find this up? <laughs> um, um, uh, it's there's a wonderful website. <laughs> you have done research to the there, there is a there is a website. There is a website called Gay Beasts in which you can watch dogs. Lots and lots of different dogs have orgasms with people uh, and what have you. And you know, and and I thought, oh, okay, all right, now I know. You know. <laughs> there's a phone call made to Dr. Green, basically yeah. indicating. Oh, well, how many times does this happen? Right. I mean, how many people actually happen? And I, and I read this thinking, you know, I bet Chip probably made that phone call. <laughs> you know? No, no, no. That that's part of the that's part of the instant. You know, what would what would it be like if with the every time we had a question about sex, you know, in the middle of dinner or you know what have you? Yeah, in you, the middle of dinner, no less. Yes, yeah. right. In the middle of dinner, you know, you you didn't, you know, it was and it was acceptable have the phone call you know yeah. here's you know, here use my cell phone call dr green yeah you know that's what he's paid for he's paid for to answer your questions yeah that's why we keep him on retainer you know and this is like you know and, and that's that was the most the most important part in terms of um you know uh, sliding us into a different world yeah yeah. In fact, speaking of sliding and grinning, shit does quite a little, a lot of that. Yes. <laughs> and I, and just from a from a language standpoint, I'm wondering if that was just something you couldn't resist. You name a character named shit, inevitably he's going to do a lot of gritting. Yeah. <laughs> lot right. of yeah well, and, and and the thing is, and 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 you realize eventually that he's been brought up in this world. You know, he's you know he you know he's as as at his, at, the, at that particular dinner, you find out. He did all his calling about this when he was 12, 13, and 14 years old. Yeah. When he was really interested in this stuff. You know, which is when, you know, and what would it be like if you could, you know, if you could find out this stuff when you, the, the moment it, it came to you. Or one of Freud's great, you know, um, realizations is that the first question all people want to know is where do babies come from, which yes. is why, you know, why there is why there is something called infantile sexuality. Because children are fascinated with sex because they want to know where babies come from. <laughs> you know, what about the which is where they came from? Why did sure. they come from? What about the interesting relationship shit has to to dynamite his father? Yes, and then later on throughout the book. Especially made clear through the ATM episode, mm -hmm. we become aware that Eric almost serves as a sort of father-like figure well, as well as a partner. Yes, and, yes, yeah. and I'm wondering, you know, why that whole paternal thrust was um, was so necessary to their relationship to, well, to Shit's, Shit's character. Well, again, you know, the the question is how, you know, um, is as you know, as as Eric says, you know, at one point he says, you know, he's aware that you know. He thinks he loves shit. He just yeah. thinks, you know, but he's also intelligent enough to realize that um, shit is just not an ideal young man. I mean, he's, you know, he, he's illiterate. He can't read or write. Uh, he's, you know, um, he's had a really strange, li a really strange life, and and he's got a couple of, you know, personality quirks that make him not terribly. Likely to fit in with a lot with a with, you know, with a larger with a larger social machine. Yeah, he can fit in where he's with where he's been brought up, uh, but he, that's but that's about it. And so that Eric, if Eric wants to stay with him, he's going to have to you know adjust to this 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 world, and he's happy to do that. He's ha he's happy to do that. Yeah, Spinoza's Ethica, which yes. Eric reads throughout the book. Right. Um, this is interesting on a number of levels. Um, you know, for one thing. It suggests, well, if, if all of us have one book to guide us through life, maybe that might help us to find ourselves. Second, um, it's interesting that, uh, 
that it would be that that book. And, and, I, and I'm wondering um, how this came about, why that book seemed to be almost almost the sort of uh, the Bible for Eric. Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. Well, um, it's, um, yeah, I think it's a great book. I mean, I think it's a spectacular book. And it's a book that's very hard to read, or at least to start reading. I, yeah. know, you know, I mean, on the one hand, you know, um, Hegel says somewhere that if, you know, if you're going to really appreciate philosophy, you know, all love of philosophy starts with a love of Spinoza's Ethica, which is fine, but, you know, you try to read the first 25 pages or 36 pages, which is the first section of, yeah. uh, of the Ethica, and, you know, the first time you go through it, you haven't got the vaguest, I don't care who you are, you don't have the vaguest idea what is going on. At least he starts yeah. plotting his Kant, you know. Uh, yeah, pardon me. <laughs> Critique of pure reason. Yeah, it's just yeah, that yeah, goes along. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, it's it's a, it's a you have to learn, you know, from the from the ground up, and he does that, and he and he starts so he reads it and rereads it, and as 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 it says in the book, the 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 reason he keeps going back to it is because he's in a landscape that's really boring. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. You know, if he were in if he were in Atlanta, he, he wouldn't go back to the Ethica. You know, I mean, he'd have he'd go to a movie. Yeah. You know, uh, but here he doesn't feel like going to a. There's nothing. He doesn't want to go to a movie. But and and the movie you know movies don't or wouldn't don't seem relevant to his own to the life he's actually leading. So he just so he just goes. So I'll read it again and see if it makes a little bit more sense. And each time he does, it does make a little bit more sense. Yeah. You know? I'm wondering if that was sort of a way for you to flesh out. Much of what you wrote about inner class conflict in the second part of Times Square Red, Times Square Maybe. Blue, that that what Eric needed was a nudge from Mama Grace. Here is Spinoza. Read this book. Do something. Read with it, it three times. Yeah, three times. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And he realized, and of course, by the time he's read it, by the time he's read it once, he's read it seven times. Yes. He can't read it. You know, you can't read it once without going back and rereading and reading and so the, 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 that, that three time reading is a fantasy it never happens and, you know, he, by the time he's read it once he's read it many many more than three times how many times have you read Ethica? well I've been reading it for about nine years yeah you know and uh, um, I don't know how I, I don't know I I've, I'm fairly comfortable with it, you know. I'm fairly comfortable with it. So I, and I've read a whole lot. But but unlike uh, Eric, I've read a whole lot of books on it. As well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, going back to what you were saying earlier about how movie culture cannot necessarily offer some kind of um, guide for this community. Right, right. Um, yeah. You know. What we haven't mentioned is the whole Peter Jackson uh, framework, which you bring up at the very beginning and at yeah. the very end. Um, obviously, the title in reference to King Kong, in reference of this efforts to recreate this scene that was not there in the 1933 movie. Uh, and then later on, we, we see in the book that there's this Peter Jackson Film Festival, yeah. um, which rather interestingly stops at the Hobbit part two. I mean, obviously, you can't prognosticate. Well, I don't know what he, I don't know what, I can't. I don't know what he's going to do after that. But 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 it is interesting that here you have this happening while you have also the movie house, right? Yeah. Which clearly caters to this, you know, more comforting sort of porn that actually does yeah. stabilize them. Is the idea here of, of roping in Peter Jackson into this mix an effort on your part to sort of suggest, well, you know, mainstream culture cannot possibly provide. For this particular group, that there will always be people who are on the margins, that they that will not actually get this. I mean, how did why Peter Jackson of all people? Well, what is the mind? Well, first of all, I think, I think, I think, I think the King, the King, the remake of King Kong is a fascinating film. 
these apps. And if you look at the if you look at the um, the three disc version with all the missing scenes and what have you, he started out to make a really ambitious film. You know, I mean, the, and and there was a lot. I mean, there was a lot of commentary on the '30s depression. Yeah. There's a whole there's a whole thing where um, the black uh, first mate tells about not getting a medal and you know and there's a whole lot of social stuff and then finally he decided no no I guess this is too heavy you know too, so he cut all of that stuff out but it's still there yeah you can still see the scene you can see the the the, the other versions of the scenes and I I kind of like um, I like the ambition of the the initial ambition of the scene and I would love to see someday somebody try to put the whole thing together the way it really should have you know and and it's um, it's like the the other version the other thing that that reminds me of is Wagner and Tristan and Isolde, um, which is to say Wagner used to say you know uh, I have never known you know the absolute love of Tristan and Isolde so I'm going to write it in an opera you know and um, and um, so in a sense um, um, on the one hand it's based on you know the, I, there's a lot that is based on my relationship with uh, Dennis yeah which has been a wonderful which you know it hasn't been going on for 70 years but it's <laughs> going on for 24 years and it's you know and it, uh, we got together when I was 47 and he was 36 um, and I'm now over 70 and he's pushing 60 yeah uh, it's it's uh, uh, um, nevertheless, there is a there is a as I said, there's a fairy tale quality. You know, the, the, an ideal version that it's the 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 ideal quality is turned up. The idealism dial is turned up just a little bit in the book. Yeah, you know, which I think you have to do. I think that's one of the things that art invites you to do. And you Peter know, Jackson could have done that if yes, he'd actually. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think Peter Jackson started to do that with you know and and uh, with the uh, with the remake of King Kong, um, and it's so much easier to do that now with all the CGI stuff. There there's there are a whole bunch of scenes where the CGI stuff stops in the middle, yeah, and you suddenly realize no, that's just blue screen or green screen, as it is. It's not blue screen anymore. It's green screen, uh, and it was it was a fascinating for me. It was a fascinating experience watching all that stuff, you know, and 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 watching the King Kong thing about 25 times you know um, it's a great movie I think it's I think it's it's the sketch of a great movie which is why I liked it do you think that this book has included everything that you set out to want to include in this absolutely not absolutely not what what did you what did you draw up I didn't drop anything. It's just some things are sketched, and yeah. some, and I would have. They, they should have been at more. You know, they could have been. Um, they could have. They could have been more fully, fully realized, rendered. Yeah. Yeah. Well, such as what exactly? Oh, it's it's hard. To, it's it's really hard to say. Uh, it is it is hard to say. Should we expect any work of art to live up to this idea of pure ambition? Is that even possible? Do you yeah. think? There are all sorts of, as I said, there are all sorts of works that I that this thing reminds me of. That's because I'm that kind of guy. Yeah. I mean, as I said, Tristan and Wagner's Tristan and Isolde is is one. Um, Duchamp's Large Glass yeah. is another. You know, it's again, it's just a, it's uh, it's um, all of these things are I think are, are are things that I was sort of trying for near and you know maybe got something of you know gotta 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 again make could leave a a sketch or an outline 
while we're on this notion of expansiveness, I do have to ask you about the wonder decades that frequently crop oh, right, up yes, throughout yeah. this. Mm -hmm. I yes, mean, yes. This, this book sort of makes the suggestion that the individual lives of Eric, of Shit, of many of the other characters matter perhaps more than whatever historical ramifications occur. You point out with the wonder decades that, well, you know, what we think of as wonder decades, well, these happen over time. People assemble and fight to get civil rights eventually, and that big sort of, I guess, culmination point comes after who knows how many right, hundreds exactly. and thousands of meetups and so forth. Mm -hmm. You know, And I'm wondering how you came to, to Explore this idea with this book. Living through the living through the fifties and sixties. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, um, my aunt used to my uh, um, my aunt um, in uh, what were then called freedom rides used to take off from my aunt's you know lawn in New Jersey. You know, back all through the fifties. Yes. You know, and 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 uh, she would organize these things, and you know, and this is you know, and and by nineteen sixty three, um, they were no longer you know fifty people going down to Washington, or hundred and fifty people, or five hundred and six or six hundred people. They you know they were you know they were hundreds of thousands of people. Yeah. And 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 they, and if they, and if if they hadn't been these other. If these other moments hadn't been there for them to build on, the, you know, the, 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 the big, it never would have reached that. And I just wanted to show that that's how, you know, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of things where if you kind of, you can see, uh, if you put together where the society might have gone to, um, you can see that, this, that, that in many ways, Shit and Eric's lives uh, anticipate this. Yeah. You know, and they anticipated ten years before. You know, ten years before, which is what happened. There are always people who will anticipate it ten years before, and that's why they were important. Yeah. Or, but even if they, but that's, um, you know, and 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 it's not that there. It's, it's not that there. Um, Peter talks about um, the. Um, he calls them diaphanous. Uh, the the dia, you know. Um, the, di you know, the, 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 the people who are transparent to the forces of history uh, and that they are interesting not because they're great people but because if you look at them you can see at work in their lives their response to these historical forces and in that sense I think Shit and Eric are, um, are these transparent people who you can see the forces of history at work if you know what the history is and we only can get a sketch of what the history is after the fact sure you know sure. because they just didn't know they didn't know that, that all this, they didn't know they were in, in a de wonder decade I had a I had a, a, a lover once for who, who can totally missed out on the Beatles in the 60s you know he just never he never Thought the Beatles were anything, and when people did, he wondered, what, 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 what's this about? I thought they were just. An, he was a singer too. He was a, a, he was a rock singer, a pop singer, and it never, it never struck him that the Beatles were like a, a you know. You knew him in your folk singing days, huh? You knew him in your folk singing days. No, no, oh. this was after this. this oh, was, after this. This, this, yeah. this was after this, and he missed out. As I said, I knew who the Beatles were from yeah. the time. I, you know, I was the one running around, you know, saying, "Hey, no, these guys are really great. You got to listen to them." You know, he just didn't know it. He just didn't, 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 didn't. It didn't register. You know, um, as as I do quote, you know, Dreyfus Kisa, you know, who is, uh, you know, uh, you know, who is who, you know, when in the middle of the Dreyfus affair, this this peasant who who's you know who you know, the Dreyfus affair was you know completely obsessed, you know. A, a, 
20 years of French history, of, of European history. Dreyfus mugs, Dreyfus uh, fans, Dreyfus silverware. You, you put, had Dreyfus, you know, Dreyfus, um, Dreyfus um, china plates, you know, what have you. And, uh, and somebody once was telling this, this, talking about the Dreyfus affair and the the peasant turned around and said, who's he? You know, and uh, so there's always going to be that. Is there a certain advantage in not knowing the absolute cultural canon that uh, that being on the edge as both your former lover and shit and Eric are, I mean, they're able to pursue... I don't, think it's an, I don't think it's an advantage, it's just a fact. Yeah, yeah. It's just a fact, and, that, and as a fact, it has an import in the larger structure of things, and it, and and it will tell you things about. It gives you it gives you a, a new perspective on these things that everybody we all take for granted. Yes. What about this idea of? I mean, when we actually advance in years, and there are things such as the nanobolts and all, yes, and yeah. uh, the Hubble telescope uh, replacements, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this great array and all that. Um, you know. I, I couldn't help but think, well, you know, this is kind of Chip doing Dos Passos to a certain degree, because it's almost as if you're responding to present events at, during this massive time that you're writing it and anticipating what's possibly going to happen. Was it safe to say that you were kind of working in that particular mode? More well, than yeah, yes, but, but, it, but particularly there's, there was a great deal of irony. Yeah. Uh, I mean, which is to say we talk about nanotechnology now, and what do they use them for? They use them to, you know, to attach your sleeves to, your sh- yeah, to, yeah. to the shoulder of your shirt, yeah. you know, or to keep your shirt clean, uh, or you know, or these, you know, or some kind of, uh, you know, some kind of um, a carpentry tool. Yeah. Uh, it's not, you know, um, the, you know, you you read about nanotechnology in science fiction, and it's all about, uh, you know, um, the, um, you know, you, you carry a toothpaste tube, and you squeeze the toothpaste tube, and it builds a house. Yeah. No, it's not going to be that. It's going to be, you know, it's going to be something to clean your sh- clean you know, clean your shoes with, you know, or something. You know, it'll it'll have initially it'll have very much smaller mundane uses. And I was sort of I, I was sort of using it as a way of laughing at some of the other science fictional, you know, science fictional speculations of what all this is. And a good deal of hostility, I presume, towards California. <laughs> well, and the, well, yeah. I mean, you know, I don't have any hostility towards California. I think California is a great place. But I mean, I do think I do know um, when I not too long ago, well, a couple, few years ago now. So, I'm going out to. Uh, I lived in California for two years in seventy four, seventy three. This is San Francisco. San Francisco, yeah. yeah. And um, um, and you know, California was. Yeah, California, and then a few. Then about nineteen. Then in two thousand and one or two thousand and two, I went out to San Francisco again, and um, what had, there, there, a huge change. Market Street is now, you know, Market Street when I last was there, which yeah. was twelve years ago, but it it had become um, uh, a a repository for for half the homeless people in the, the East Coast. Yeah, you know all. <laughs> Ended up on Market Street, yeah. you know, uh, and uh, um, you weren't uh, around for Matrix One and Matrix Two. I, no, I'm from I San Francisco. No, no, I, I wasn't. It's was terrible. I, yeah, I, yeah uh, they kept pushing them and penning them into the Golden Gate Park, and it was just, it was yeah, just really, uh, yeah, right. I, but you know, but they uh, they just didn't have that. Uh, um, the, the, there was, you know, there was a lot of the, there was a lot of you know, a lot of poverty, you know, uh, and. Um, and 
it was an interest. It was a it was a fascinating phenomenon. Yeah, you know, and, and and to see the the attempts to deal with it and the failures of the attempts to deal with it. Yeah, and then if you were hung around there a few more years, then they then all of a sudden ten, the tenderloin started gentrifying big time as well yeah, along right. Polk Street. So it just you know there's very little of that left. Um, going back to um, novels of ideas, which we were sort of suge- talking about with many of the historical residences of, of future of the future and so forth do you think that you know certain genre labels are holding the ideas of, a, of conceptual novels of novels that wish to examine subcultures hostage to, to a certain degree I mean because because I don't really see this book as science fiction I, I view it as a sort of it is its own I mean it's, well, it it's, it's a chip Delaney book you know? yeah, yeah it, you know? it, it, is, it is I mean I don't think you I, I don't think you let the genres hold you back yeah you know um, this is you know um, if I decided, well, I could only write a porno- pornographic novel or a novel with, with a large emphasis on sex, uh, or a speculative novel, you know, uh, or a literary novel, um, then, you know, then I would be letting the, the genre hold it hostage. But so you do about, you do it all. Yeah. And suddenly you have a thing that's, you know, that you have a, you have a work that, that, you know, straddles all three borders and you see how does, how, how, you run it up the flagpole and see if anybody salutes. <laughs> but this book also had a very problematic publication history. Well, thankfully, thankfully, it finally got published. Yeah. But you know, I mean, what is what are the present market conditions that are possibly holding either genre or even ambitious books such as this one hostage? I mean, how do you deal with that in this I age? I don't know. You just you, know, you write them. Yeah. First, the first thing you do is write them. Yeah. And then this, you start sending them around and see if somebody wants to publishing. And I was very lucky um, when I had with an extremely brave publisher. Donald Wisey, yeah. uh, who has you know who published it and has been incredibly supportive of the um, of the enterprise, and I'm uh, I'm I'm really moved and, and rather humbled by his su- support of the whole thing. Yeah, I was always curious also about the nine Apprentice novels that you wrote before <laughs> publishing. I mean, what were those about? Uh, what uh, I don't know. You don't know. I can't. Re- I, fortunately, they have not actually. Fortunately, ma- I can't remember. <laughs> they've uh, they've been uh, they've been dealt with. They no longer exist in any way. Some of them don't exist. Actually, some of them don't, which is too bad. Uh, and some of them are still in the bottom of piles. You know, in the in the uh, um, Howard Gottlieb archive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which are is you where my papers are. Are you sitting on any trunk novels at all, or yeah. no? Well, everything, I, everything I, has pretty much been published. Or? No, well, that's not entirely true. No, I have a couple of half-finished work, 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 works that I'm I'm getting ready to get started on. You know, get back to. Have you ever had to compromise in any way? Mm, well, there's always some compromise going on. Uh, I try to. I try to. You know, I, I've been very fortunate. I've been very rarely have I been asked to compromise. Yeah. So that's you know, uh, and so I don't. I don't. I don't feel. I don't feel um, hamstrung by compromise. Yeah. You know, but there's always some compromise going on. What level of compromise is acceptable? Just to sort of flesh out this answer. Honestly. Acceptable? I don't think any of it. I don't think any compromise is acceptable. <laughs> uh, but uh, there, there is the practical. You know, there is the practical. Um, the practical limits of publishing and what you know and what can be, what can be done and what you know, what can't be done. Would you say that the practical limits of publishing have narrowed in this age when there are increasing assaults on you know? what can be published both from an experimental standpoint, small presses facing uphill battles, the collapse of, say, borders and so forth. I well, mean, all of that, all, yeah, all, I, mean, I mean, the, the, the monetary pressures 
of the of the world of the world, you know, do create a you know do create a um, um, do create do create do create real real pressures that have to be dealt with one way or the other. Yeah. And there's no there's no getting around that. Yeah. There's no getting around that. But in terms of artistically speaking, you can just go about your own business. Do you have yeah. any concern for these issues at all? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Of course. Yeah. You know, uh, you want your book to be as good as it can possibly be. Uh, and you are, you know, and one is all, one is always fighting the the the, uh, the monetary pressures, you know, and the monetary pressures, you know, um, not mitigate for, you know, um, a little less proofreading, a little less, you know, a little less, you know, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that uh, note of future rebellion and clamoring on, Chip Delaney, thanks so much for the pleasure. Well, to chat thank with you, Ed. This was a lot, lots of fun. I hope uh, this is. Uh, I hope you're. you're your audience will find this interesting. Oh yeah, no, I think so. Very small. Now he's up above my head, hanging by a little.